She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 23. Roland. In this episode, a man is killed at a jet propulsion lab and the dead man's equations have been changed. The only other person around is the janitor who has no motive and who's mentally disabled. Mulder is convinced something strange is going on. But Scully thinks it might just have been a tragic accident, and she's not really sure why Mulder's interested in the case. But then another scientist is killed, so they need to figure out what's happening before anyone else dies. You know, they're dealing with super engines. It could be aliens. <laughs> I mean, Scully does ask if it's alien technology, so maybe. Like right, like, like right off the bat, even, yeah. Yeah, so. no, she's immediately like, does this have to do with UFOs? <laughs> Come on, Mulder. Yeah, so, hey, Scully and I are on the same page almost for <laughs> once, right? I think this is probably, you know, usually I'm like, Scully, what are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah. This episode was written by Chris Rumpenthal, and it was directed by David Nutter. This is his sixth episode as a director of the season, and the most anyone else has directed this season has been two. So he's done the most. Yeah, everyone else has been like a one or a twofer. So he's got six under his belt. Nice. He's directed like a quarter of the episodes, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, this was filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia. Its original air date was Friday, May 6th, 1994. And the viewership of this episode was 12 and a half million in the United States, which is down 1.2 million since the last episode. And honestly, I'm surprised it wasn't more after the last episode. <laughs> so you can listen to last episode, our last episode, for more info on that. Yeah, that was born again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's definitely not watch again, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no. So, we're at Mahan Propulsion Laboratory at the Washington Institute of Technology in Colson, Washington. And there's a man who's sweeping the floor, and we're going to find out his name is Roland Fuller. He's the janitor. And he's trying to open a door with a keypad. He swipes his car, and he's trying to push the button, and it keeps erroring out. And then someone comes up behind him in a lab coat. We're going to find out he's Dr. Keats. And he's totally like, oh, you're doing it wrong. You're supposed to put in your number first and then swipe your card. So he, like, takes the card from him and makes the guy drop his broom. And then he asks him for his number. And Roland gives it to him. And then he punches in. He's like, see, is that so hard? Gives him his card back. And they go inside. And basically, he's the jerk. Yeah. And inside the room, there's a propulsion engine test that's running. And there's two men in there, and they're totally arguing. One of them is Dr. Frank Nolette, and the other is Dr. Ronald Cerno. And they're arguing about, like, the machine's not going fast enough, and the other one's like, it's going to destroy itself, and whatever. And Nolette's like, no, crank it, keep it going, keep it going, we got to do this. And so Cerno finally shuts it down, and Nolette tells them that, like, if they can't produce results, they're going to lose their funding, because they're trying to be the first team, I guess, to surpass Mach 15. And so Nolette leaves... And then Dr. Keats and Dr. Cerneau start arguing about how Cerneau needs to fix it. And he's like, it's the math. And he's like, you should let it run, blah, blah, blah. They're arguing again. And then Dr. Keats leaves. And Roland is like, good night, Dr. Keats. And we should specify, Roland is developmentally challenged. He definitely has something going on. And so, like, he kind of speaks strangely and, you know, doesn't move as well. He's got, 
he's got an unknown disability. They ne- I don't think they actually ever specify what it is. No, they yeah. never actually tell us what yeah, exactly. So whether he's, he's autistic or he has some sort of like physical disability as well, we're not sure. But whatever he has definitely affects both his his physical and his mental. So, so he says goodnight to Dr. Keats. And then Dr. Cerno obviously stays behind. He's going to do some more work. And he's running some equations. And Roland's watching him as he goes. And he's sweeping around. And then Dr. Cerno goes into the room that has the propulsion engine. And punches open a panel and starts working on it. And then Roland goes over to the keyboard and starts typing something in. And the door closes. Boop. And there's a little window so they can watch the engine. And Dr. Cerno realizes what's going on. So he starts talking to Roland to like open the door, open the door and Roland just keeps typing. And then like, there's these big, like one side of the wall opposite of the jet engine is like just doors that open and it shows like to like vent the air in for the engine to suck air in. And it's got like grating across it to keep like debris from falling in the engine. And so then the turbine starts up and Dr. Snow starts shouting for him to open the door and he's trying to figure out how to get out. He's banging on the window and he goes over and he's trying to hold the grate and he starts like, boo, he gets like lifted up off the air because it's trying to suck him in. And then while all that's happening, Roland has gone over and he's erased the last line of Dr. Snow's equations on the whiteboard that he was working on and starts writing a new equation. And then he finishes and he walks by the window and we see Dr. Snow fly past the window. And then we hear a noise. It's like, yep, he got sucked into the engine because it was a squishy noise. And then <laughs> Roland just starts mopping and... X-Files, 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 theme song. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of jarring. Someone just got sucked into a jet engine, and then boom, X-Files. Yeah. So this was a a lot happened in that scene. There was a lot lot going on for an opening episode. I think that might be the most um, I've had to talk for an opening so far. (laughs) Wow, man, I need to take a breath. So meanwhile, Colson, Washington is not a real place. I had to look it up. I have driven all over, like, western washington and like i've never heard of it but like there are a lot of places that i hadn't heard of until a couple years ago so i looked it up but it's not real so uh, supposedly it's near seattle does not exist is there a washington institute of technology not that i know of i'm assuming there might be like like massachusetts institute of technology yeah i mean there might be like a technology institute and i know like uw does a lot of like tech stuff and they have like a big department for that but yeah wit would be a funny acronym too i could see people making fun of that so (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So this scene. So one, Dr. Keats is obviously a dick. Um, oh, God. He's yeah. totally rude to Roland and just like, yeah. And he's going to keep being a dick through the episode. When they're arguing about the engine, all I could think of was like faster must go faster. From like, <laughs> you know, Jeff Goldblum. And uh, oh, man, I wish I'd thought of Jurassic Park. That would have made <laughs> well, me happy. Jurassic Park and Independence Day. That's true. He says the same thing. In both. And then he could have <laughs> he totally could have said it in Prince of Egypt, because when they're trying to get across the Red Sea, because he's playing the character going trying to go across, but he doesn't say it. He says something very similar to like "faster must go faster." <laughs> but if only he had said it, he had got triple hat. That's how I always want to like overdub like that into the cartoon. But anyway, <laughs> and then just because math, they're trying to change the angle of the turbine, and he's like, "It's already at pi over nine, and that's like twenty degrees." Just so you know. Yeah. But. So then we cut to Mulder and Scully, and they're walking through the hall. And Mulder asked Scully how the wedding was, so apparently she went to some friend's wedding, and she said something about the groom passing out or something, so whatever happened at this wedding actually sounds like an interesting story. I kind of wish we'd gotten that, but we never find out, like, what happened. Yeah, one of her friends got married, or family, cousin, who knows, Mm -hmm. and apparently it was weird. 
But then <laughs> Mulder's like, hey, did you catch the bouquet? And like, she's like, nah. and he hands her a folder. Like, she just is not like. Well, I think she says, like, would you like to know? Oh, does yeah. she? <laughs> and That's then. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is kind of, it's, you know, it's like banter, but it definitely is like, it teeters into flirting. Yeah. Um, and then he says, like, so he has her folder and he says the people in the slab are working on the next jet engine. And apparently there have been two deaths in the past six months. I think we learned later that Grable died in a car accident. As yeah, far I think, as I, can I think tell. six months ago. Yeah. Six months ago. Yeah. So like, one. yeah. Yeah. And then, so, but there's been two deaths. And so that's a little suspicious. And so Scully's like, okay, but how is this an X-File? And then she's like, does this have anything to do with UFO technology? And Mulder's like, no, but something's wrong here. It's just not unidentifiable. So we're going to solve this. And I love that Scully just leaps to UFO because obviously why else would Mulder be interested? And it's a jet lab. So like, of course, like they must be dealing with UFO parts or something. Or maybe Mulder suspects they are, which would have been a cool story, by the way. Could have been. Yeah, they could have tied maybe some of that into Deep Throat. Mm, Yeah. Anyway, they didn't do that. So so. the project that they're going to investigate is Project Icarus, which is really (laughs) not a good name for a project if you know the mythology. Like you wouldn't want to name it Icarus because it's not going to end well. No, your engine's going to melt. Yeah, and you're going to come crashing to the ground. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, just saying, don't name things Icarus unless you don't want to succeed. So So they go in and they meet Doctor Keats. And he's the one who found Dr. Cernow's body that morning, or what was left of it. Yep. And Scully asks how Dr. Cernow got shut in the propulsion engine room. And he says, well, someone had to lock the door. That's the only way you can close it is from the, the keyboard outside. There's no way he could have like used the controls inside to close it. And Frank Nolette comes back in and he introduces himself and says he's part of the project. I think he's like the team leader, I guess, probably. Since he wears a suit, everyone else was wearing like a white coat. He's probably yeah. like the project leader. Um, and Mulder asks him about the first signs who died six months ago, Dr. Arthur Grable. And Keats asks what they're driving at. And again, he's being a dick. And yeah. Scully <laughs> points out that their work would be a good target for industrial espionage. And then Mulder, because Eagle Eye Mulder, he's like, oh, hey, that whiteboard with all those equations, that last line doesn't match all the writing on the rest of the whiteboard. And they're like, oh. And so he asks who wrote it. And Keats is like, well, it's not my handwriting. Being a dick and whatever and so Mulder's like so he's looking at his files like well the only other person was Roland Fuller he was only who was last night and Keats is like oh he's the janitor and he's not exactly a rocket scientist so yeah such a jerk he's such yeah. a jerk yeah he's on form so he's not just a dick here he's probably a dick his whole life oh yeah for sure he's definitely yeah. not a nice guy yeah so then we go to the heritage halfway house this is also in Colson Washington and we see Roland, he's sitting at a table and he's got like a piece of construction paper and um, he's written the name Tracy on it. And then he's putting like these star stickers all around it. And then he hands it to Tracy or shows it to her and she kind of smiles. And so she's the woman across the table from him. And then Mulder and Scully arrive and they're there to, like Miss, um, I think her name's Stody or something. She's like the woman who runs the halfway house. So she like brings them in. And they sit down with Roland. They kind of ask him, like, hey, did you see anything unusual? Or were there any strangers in the lab at work last night? And they ask him if anyone's been doing anything unusual or strange. And, like, Roland kind of ignores them, puts another star sticker on his paper. And so Scully's like, oh, you must like stars. And he points to her blouse, and he says 147. And she's kind of confused and looks down and she's wearing this blouse that has like stars all over it, but they're kind of different sizes and stuff. And so they're kind of all over it. 
and he's like stars and so she realizes like he counted the number of stars on her shirt or like i don't know if that's just the ones that are visible or if he could like extrapolate how many are like on the shirt itself because she's wearing this jacket over it so you can't see the whole shirt but anyway that was me overthinking it <laughs> so there are a lot of stars on her shirt and then we see roland has this vision of dr keats with his head frozen and then roland like knocks over his like he has a container of star stickers and he knocks them over and they fall on the floor and so scully tries to help him pick them up and while they're doing that Mulder steals one of Roland's papers that he's yeah. like written some numbers on. Yeah, because Miss Doty comes in and is like, "Oh, what did you do to upset Roland?" Because Roland's like really upset and like trying right. to get all the stars together. And so they're like, "I don't know, like what happened." And so, and then while they're all trying to help Roland, and Mulder like he sees a bunch of numbers on one of the papers, and so he like pockets it. Right. So, and I thought that was he because when he gives he when he gives Tracy his paper, he's like, she's like, "Oh," and he's like, "With stars," like because he put stars on it. So I was like, "That's sweet." And I'm like, yeah. please don't let this episode end bad for Roland. Please, 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 like, don't let it end <laughs> bad for Roland. So. Yeah. And I have some history with this kind of stuff, so there's another reason why I'm like, please don't let this episode end bad for Roland. But we can talk about it at the end. So, yeah. Some personal stuff that affects this. So. so then we are at the FBI regional headquarters in Seattle, Washington. Woo, Seattle. Did you want to do your little woo? <laughs> woo, Seattle. You know when you're at a live show and everyone like cheers whenever they hear the name of their city? I mean, that's that's me. Seattle, woo. Okay. So they are talking to a handwriting expert, which I was really upset that it wasn't 30 Agent Henderson, but I they're know. in Seattle. So I get it. I was like, at first I was like, what? What happened to Agent Henderson? I'm like, oh, they're in, that's right. They're in Seattle. Sorry. Okay. That's fine. So she's looking at a photo of the math on the whiteboard because obviously they took a photo of it. And she's like, it's definitely been written by two distinct individuals, but none of the three men working there have handwriting that matches it. So I guess they must have got samples from everybody. And so then Mulder's like, well, can you check this? So he hands her a sample of Roland's handwriting that he had pocketed. And Scully is like, that's ridiculous. Roland has the intelligence of a seven-year-old. He has like an IQ of like 70. And Mulder suggests, well, some autistic, they're having this debate right in front of the lady who's like doing the handwriting stuff. <laughs> Mulder suggests that some autistic individuals have incredible math skills. And so there we do get a little bit of like, maybe Roland is autistic. Scully says, yes, but savants are just like calculators. They actually know what the numbers mean and blah, 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 back and forth. Anyway, so the handwriting is like, well, yeah, whatever. You guys can keep arguing, but guess what? It doesn't match. So don't worry about it. Right. Yep. And then we see a scene of Roland. He's sleeping in his bed. And we get a little flash, um, similar to what we got before, except this time, like, Dr. Keating, he's not frozen, but he's, like, fighting with someone. And then Roland wakes up, and he's all super upset. So. Yeah. So that doesn't bode well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and then we're back at the Mahan Propulsion Lab. I think it's Building 24 this time. They gave us, like, a building number. I don't know why we need to know that, but... Um, it's the same lab, so like they're in the same place. Well, they're in a I different guess, room, though. I think is why it's yeah, different because they're okay. not they're not in the jet lab. Yeah, like, so I guess maybe they're like in the office part of the building. Yeah. So maybe it's like a separate building or something. So Dr. Keats is working late. He's at a computer and he's like typing, and he's got like headphones on, and the keypad is activated outside, and so he hears like the keypad beep or whatever on the door, and he turns around, but the door doesn't open. So then he kind of goes back. So he puts his headphones back in, goes back to work. And he goes to reach for his coffee mug, and his coffee mug is missing. 
And then he like looks up and sees Roland is there and Roland smashes the mug over his head. And like, they have like kind of a tussle and like, because he hit him, he hasn't like, he's not unconscious, but like he's able to like drag, Roland is able to drag Dr. Keats over to this vat of liquid nitrogen. And then like he gets the vat open and he's like wearing these rubber gloves and he gets Keats like over the vat and like puts his head in and like his head comes up for a second and then he puts it back in and then he struggles for a minute and then he stops struggling and so Roland pulls him out and like his head is like all frozen and there's like ice everywhere and stuff like that and then he just drops the body and so the head just like shatters everywhere and then like Roland (laughs) walks away and he like steps on his frozen ear and it like crunches (laughs) Yeah. Steps on his frozen ear that is no longer attached to his head. Right, because they're just in in pieces. Yeah, it's like a it's like a little of bit head. of sideburn, a little tuft of hair, and then an ear. Yeah. Yeah. So super messed up. <laughs> it's like I was just like, what the? Anyway. Yeah. Speaking of super messed up. <laughs> like apparently Chris Carter thought this was like hilarious or something. Like he thought this was really funny, and like he even said like, oh yeah, any shock and horror was eliminated when you saw those little pieces on the floor. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just like, what kind of sense of humor do you have, Chris yeah. Carter? I would say, if there's anything I've learned from doing this podcast, is that Chris Carter is problematic. Where he so. just has a really strange sense of like, I don't know what's funny I mean, because he like or, he thinks it's cool to talk about Amish people because they're not going to find out. They don't watch television. Or like and, the salamander hand is a good idea, and yeah, then he's just and like, that, and that people's heads shattering and stepping on their ears hilarious now if he had stepped on it and slipped that might have been comedy right because like a banana peel but i mean even then you know. yeah it kind of reminds me a little of brian fuller in like dead like me brian fuller's the guy who created like pushing daisies dead like me wonderfalls um mm, no relation Hannibal, to roland which... no not that i know of <laughs> given that roland is a fictional character <laughs> oh okay but, but brian fuller has kind of that twisted sense of humor too like I can kind of see that. But they'd get along. Chris Carter and Brian Fuller should do a show together. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, apparently Dr. Keats likes hair metal because that's what he's listening to in his headphones. I couldn't place it exactly. It was probably like just made up so they didn't have to get licensing, but still a dick, but likes hair metal. And so I have a story about this scene because like I talked about how like I liked this episode i remember liking this episode a lot like i remember like when we talked about like i haven't you know i saw the first season and i haven't really like didn't really watch it after the second season i watched a little bit of the second season and i really haven't watched it since but like i remembered eve was a good episode that i really liked and i remembered Roland, even though i couldn't remember exactly what it was about but i remembered that as one something that like clicked in my head mm-hmm. So last night, I hadn't watched it yet. Last night, because I watched it this morning. Last night, I'm laying in bed, and suddenly I got this idea of like, wait, does someone get like killed by their head getting stuck in a tank of liquid nitrogen in this episode? And I was like, is it? Is that what happens? Is, I don't I don't remember. I don't remember. And then I'm watching the episode, and boom, that's exactly what happens. So for some reason, <laughs> last night, I was suddenly reminded that there was liquid nitrogen death in this episode. <laughs> It's a weird thing to randomly think of. Yeah, too. I was just You're laying just in like, bed Whoa. trying to go to sleep and I was like, wait, does someone get killed? Like I did <laughs> like I could picture the scene of like someone like holding their head over, like, you know, and like, oh, get your head in there. And so that was really weird. And yeah. like, I don't know. But literally people love getting killed with liquid nitrogen. Like Terminator 2 in 91, Demolition Man in 93. We get this. And I might be thinking about something else. Did we get anybody else? Was there any liquid nitrogen in any other episodes this season before this? 
Did oh. someone get something frozen with liquid nitrogen? I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. Okay. But I could just be like totally forgetting something. Okay. I'm trying to think. I might have, because I also earlier this year, I watched Demolition Man from my other podcast. And so I might be thinking of Demolition Man. I might okay. be thinking of that. And then obviously like in Blade Runner, you know, Roy Beatty sticks his hand in liquid nitrogen and pulls out that eyeball. But yeah, but then they had Golden Eye in 95 and the arrival in 96. And yeah, people love liquid nitrogen. Yeah, it was. A, I remember when I first started working at like Safeway when I was like 18 or 19. And like we sold liquid, we sold like nitrogen, like liquid nitrogen for like, or, no, it was dry ice. It was dry ice. I was going to say, you sold, sold. Like, wow, you sold liquid nitrogen? Holy no, we shit. sold dry ice. But I remember okay. being like terrified of it because like, I think because of stuff like this on TV and I like, to me, I equated those things in my head and like, we had to do a special training on like how it could burn you and stuff. And so I think yeah. in my head, like they were the same thing. And so every time I didn't want to buy any, I'd be like, oh, um, supervisor, come get the key. <laughs> yeah, because stores would always have like a, at the end of one of the checkout aisles, there'd be like a little like freezer that would have like liquid. Yeah, nitrogen. so people could use dry ice for like nitrogen, the parties dry yeah. or something. But yeah. like, yeah, it used to freak me out. I'm pretty sure it's because of stuff like this on television. <laughs> I was yeah. just like, I'm not going near that. Yeah, I don't think you could sell liquid nitrogen at the store. I don't <laughs> Probably think not. So. Yeah. Although they use it all the time on like Food Network to make ice cream, so it can't be yeah, that dangerous. That's <laughs> well, that's on Food Network too. Like people are like just hanging out making it on regular basis in a restaurant so true very true yeah so then we're we're still at the crime scene right it's one of those things again where we cut to the crime scene but we never really left because the last scene was at the crime scene just some time has passed mm -hmm. and there's some men photographing the body outline which has like a body that doesn't have a like the, the little outline is a body but with no head and there's all these little circles and x's all over the place <laughs> which apparently chris carter also thought was hilarious so <laughs> laughing because i'm just picturing chris carter like standing there going this is amazing this I is think so I funny read it. he said that was like the epitome of the episode was that scene <laughs> that was like the greatest yeah he thing and ever. brian fuller seriously need to get oh, together and okay. do something because yeah. it would be really disturbing but probably good yes yeah, so so, i guess yeah. the larger pieces got circles and then the x's <laughs> are for the little shards <laughs> really? so scully okay. so scully oh. gets to ex give exposition about how liquid nitrogen works right and so that's cool and then Mulder goes over to Keith's computer and he finds some files. There's a bunch of files listed. They're basically, I think they're listed like in chronological order. And so like the second to the last one is called K-Man, which he assumes was Keats's file. So that kind of fits with the like in the hair metal thing, calling yourself K-Man. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but then there's one right after that called Arthur. And whoever worked on it worked on it. Apparently it has like how long you worked on the file too. So it was after he was dead and they worked on like for five hours so scully's like whoa so she's trying to get in of course his password protected doesn't work right and so Mulder's just sitting there he's like um try one five six two six and so she types it in she looks at him weird and she types it in and boom it opens she's like how did you get that and he pulls out the paper that he got from roland and that number is all over that paper and so mm, mm, mm. anyway yeah, so there are actual scientific experiments and arguments about whether the human body would shatter if you stuck it in liquid nitrogen, and I'm not going to spoil it, but if we're only talking about this particular case, Keats would not have, his head would probably not have shattered, so. Yeah, well, that's interesting to know. I didn't know that. Yeah, and then Mulder shouts out to Beekman's World, mm -hmm. which was like a little, like a, kind of like a, like Mr. Wizard or Bill Nye the Science Guy kind of show that was kind of like funny and like crazy, 
and that went from uh, September 1992 to I think it ran all the way through like to 98. It ran for like 91 episodes. Oh wow! So, yeah, I remember watching it a couple times. I wasn't like I don't have any strong memory of the show itself, but I do remember watching. I think it. I probably saw one or two episodes, like seen it. I'm like, oh yeah, like I couldn't picture it when he said it because I think of Beaker from the Muppets, and I'm like, okay, no, that's not right. <laughs> but then when I looked it up to see like when it ran, because I knew the name, I was soon I saw the picture of like the guy who was like the star who played Beekman. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that show. Yeah. So, I guess it started on the Learning Channel or TLC back when they actually showed like science and shit. Yeah, and back then, when like Discovery and TLC were just like yeah. educational programming. You could, actually, you could actually learn something instead of just yeah. But then I guess after it was on after a year it, it went to like Saturday morning syndication. It was like on like Saturday morning cartoon time for kids to oh, watch okay. because it, it was kind of it was kind of based for kids. So, I imagine it probably ran during the daytime on TLC too cuz I remember they had a lot of like children's like educational stuff during the day as well so yeah and a lot of marathons back then where they would just like run something all weekend because they didn't know what else to do so they just yes. run reruns yep so Mulder is up on the kid signed television because it's only been out like for <laughs> possibly like maybe two years at this point so then we get to Roland and he's sleeping and he's dreaming of being a kid who's like put in a car and sent away and we don't really get, we just get snippets of that. And then the caretaker lady, or I don't know what, she's the woman who runs the, the halfway house. Yeah. Which is weird. They're calling it a halfway house. I mean, I get what it is. It's kind of like, so they can live like in the community, but then, but the, calling it a halfway house seems weird, but. Yeah. Cause a halfway house is usually like when you get out of like juvie or something. And yeah. Like, or like you like get out of like, you know, drug rehabilitation or something like that. You go to a halfway house and then right, way, to help you transition into society. So. Right. But this is where they're living. And so she's kind of the woman who runs the house and makes sure everything's, you know, going and probably does all the. There's at least three adults in the house. Yeah. Because there's an unnamed other, other unnamed guy that we see sitting with Tracy at one point and then Tracy and then Roland. You're right. So. And so she wakes him up and she asks him why he slept in his clothes because he's still wearing like his work uniform. And then she's like, well, you have visitors. And, like, he sees Mulder and Scully behind her. And he's like, I'm not supposed to talk to them. And she's like, what? Why? And so Mulder goes into Roland's closet. And he kind of, like, pulls out a shirt. And Roland shakes his head. And he's like, the green shirt or something. And so Mulder goes back in, gets the green shirt. And then while Roland's changing, Mulder's like, so do you like your job? And Roland's like, yeah. You know, I can't remember exactly what he says. But he, like, does like his job. And then he asks how he got his job. And Roland's like, oh, well, Dr. Grable spoke to Miss Stoney. And so Mulder's like, oh, when did you last speak to Dr. Grable? And he's like, Dr. Grable died. So, <laughs> you know, he's aware anyway that Dr. Grable's dead. And, you know, he hasn't spoken to him in a while. And meanwhile, Scully's downstairs with Miss Stoney. And she's asking if Roland has ever mentioned Arthur Grable. Or Arthur, I think she says. And then Miss Stoney says, oh, yeah, that was Dr. Grable. But I don't think Roland even knew his first name. And while they're talking, like, we kind of see Tracy in the background. She's kind of listening. So she's curious about what they're talking about. Yep. Yeah, definitely getting – I know you had mentioned that you're, this is in your notes later, so I'm kind of jumping a little bit. But, like, it kind of appears in this scene. But, like, there's a little bit of, like, Rain Man action going on in this, which was 1998, because, of course, you have to send away the challenging child. Oh, I know. Later. Yeah, we will. Yeah. But I thought it was when Mulder's asking Roland if when he last talked to Dr. Grable, and he's like, Dr. Grable died. And he's like, people die. Like, he's buttoning his shirt. He's like, you know, he's just like, people die. And then he's like, but they're not supposed to come back. And Mulder's like, what? Like, he doesn't say it, <laughs> but like, you see this look on his face, like, it's that double take of like, what? So, 
Yeah. So Mulder says that Arthur Grable went to the halfway house to find a mentally challenged person, specifically to work at the lab. And Scully is like, well, if he intended to use him, because Mulder's thinking like you intended to use him as like a scapegoat. Like if you're going to, you know, I'm going to murder my 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 colleagues and I have someone as a scapegoat because. Right. You I, have someone I, to I blame. Can, I can pin it on someone who won't be able to like defend themselves. Yeah. And she's like, well, but yeah, that's fine. But like Dr. Grable's dead. And he's like, well, maybe he faked it. And so Scully pulls up a photo from the car crash. He's like, I think he's hamburger. So that's what said on the tag. And <laughs> I'm going to get that every time I can to get a laugh out of you. So I know you love her. I do. So, yep. So Scully reads his obit and she's, you know, blah, blah. basically gives all his credentials and, oh, a brilliant mind ended too early, blah, 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 blah. And Mulder realizes that both Grable and Roland are from Seattle. And Roland's parentage is blocked by the courts. Like the first three years of his life, there's no really any information about him. It just says, like, you know, he, the first real data they have on him but they do have his birth date and they find out that they actually both have the same birthday as well Ooh, so they're totally long lost twins 100 percent. yep like and, it's and, so and, obvious yeah and of course you had to send the one with that's going to be difficult away right oh so gross can't deal with that oh that one's going to be trouble don't want to have to deal with that stuff let's just lock them away somewhere or put them up for adoption and the thing yeah, is roland is pretty cool. like I just, uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a parent, but to me, it just blows my mind, like how you could ever do that and be like, well, this one's a little difficult. Sometimes he has a little harder tantrums and he's not reading at his grade level. So let's get rid of him. Like, it's just so, oh, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty gross. So Roland and Tracy are sitting, I think they're in the living room or something. Yeah. And he, he asked Tracy, like, if she wishes she could fly. And she says, well, I can fly in my dreams. And, like, you can do anything in a dream. And then she's like, once I dreamed we were married and we lived in a house. And obviously not, like, this house, but, like, our own house, which, you know. And then she asks Roland if he has dreams. And he, like, kind of puts his head in his arm and kind of, like, shakes his head. And then Tracy, who overheard the conversation earlier, is like, who's Arthur? Because she's curious. And Roland, again, like, kind of freaks out. And so then he, like, hits Tracy. We kind of knocks her down. Yeah. yeah. He, doesn't like, he doesn't like hit her, but like he knocks he doesn't her down. hit her, but he yeah. like as he's getting up and like yeah, fleeing, he, bumps, he like yeah, knocks bumps her, her and she falls over. Yeah. So it's not like he like attacks her or anything. No. But then he runs away upstairs and he locks himself in the bathroom and Tracy like runs after him and she bangs on the door and he just like tells her to go away and then he has like a vision of himself strangling her, which is he obviously is pushing away as hard as he yeah, can. Yeah, because so. he actually even says, like, go away. I don't want to hurt you. Right. At one point when he's trying to, like, he's crying because she's upset. Like, what's wrong? Why don't you want to? Yeah. yeah, so they're both not having a good day. It's no. pretty upsetting. Yeah. So then Mulder is talking with Frank Nolette in his office. And Mulder's looking at it. There's some photos on the wall and Mulder's looking at it. And there's a bunch of, like, you know, like 70s guys with long hair and crazy shirts and whatever and standing around the vw bug that's in an office and Mulder's like what's the story with this and he's like well like one of his professors apparently didn't like one of his thesis or his phd story or whatever it was and said it was baloney and even though later it was published in nature magazine so haha professor but anyway <laughs> so as to get back at him him and all his friends they got together and they took the professor's car completely apart and then reassembled it in the professor's office with the engine running. And so he's like, oh, and then like one of you's like, oh, is that one right there, Dr. Grable? He's like, yep, that's him. He had a 
really good idea for like doing schemes and plans. So you're like, hmm. And so he asked if Dr. Grable could have possibly faked his death or if someone else could still be working on his file. And Nolette's like, yep, no, couldn't be happening. Mulder's like, but the auto accident report was incomplete. Like it wasn't very, you know, there was lots of stuff missing from the police report about him. Like it's very possible he could have faked his death. And Nolette says that if he's suggesting Grable killed Cerno and Keats and is coming after him next, he's like, yeah, don't worry. I am not worried. And they're like, how can you be sure? Right. And so then we cut to the Avalon Foundation at the Washington Institute of Technology in Colson, Washington. So they're in this room and they're standing in front of a bunch of tanks or capsules and a tech is over by the capsule and he tells Mulder and Scully that Grable's head is the only part of him that's been cryogenically frozen because the car accident was so bad they couldn't like save his body. So they just froze his head. And Scully's like, oh, how is he going to like being revived without a body? (laughs) And, you know, obviously the tech is like, well, you know, by the time we have the technology to revive people, we hope to have technology to solve that problem as well. And the temperature on Grable's tank fluctuates between negative 319 and negative 320. And all the other tanks are kind of holding steady at 320. So they ask, like, is that normal? And the tech's like, no, it's kind of weird. We're not really sure what's causing the fluctuation, but we've checked the tank and there's no, no issue. You know, there's nothing wrong with it and it's holding the right temperature. So we're not super worried about it, but it is weird because we don't know why that's happening. And also they find out that Grable has put down Roland Fuller as a possible tissue donor for future body growth. And so because of that and the fact that they share a birthday... Mulder thinks that it's obvious they must be twins. Yeah. We're going to put a pin in that thing about using Roland as a tissue donor. Okay. We'll talk about that later. Sure. I do notice they, I don't know if they're in the head room or if they, if they specialize in freezing heads, because all the tanks are the same size. Like right. I mentioned the fact that only his head is in there, but like every tank in that room is the same size. Yeah. So they're either just in the head room. Or they only do heads. I'm not that sure. is so. I looked into cryogenics to talk about this at the end because I was curious. So I, I read like a couple different articles. I, I linked one in the notes, but um, it's more common to freeze just the head because it's it's cheaper, right? And yeah. it's easier to do that. So and the idea is that you would clone a new body, for right? Them and and somehow attach the head. Or the well, brain, I mean, or... if they can, we'll talk about yeah. the feasibility of waking people yeah. up from the current cryogenic state. But, like, it, assuming they can do that, the theory is that by then they should be able to, like, clone you a body as well or something. Yeah. So. And we should specify that it's negative 320 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. Not just negative. Yeah. Kind of, I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't put a marker. It doesn't really say on the tank, but I... Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a little F there. Is there? Yeah. Okay. I didn't yeah. pay attention. Look, I'm not the science and math one here. Yeah. There's, a, <laughs> there's at least three different... Like that we could be using, we'd be using Kelvin, we could be using Celsius, we could be using Fahrenheit. Oh yeah, Kelvin would be so, good. Yeah, Kelvin anyway. would have been good for this because Kelvin is like super low. What, I can't remember, I think Kelvin starts at, oh, see now I'm going to get called out. I think Kelvin starts at 260 something, but I forget. Yeah, I don't remember. But apparently 320 <laughs> degrees is the temperature that liquid nitrogen is liquid, I believe. I think that's the, I think that's the state. And so, okay. and that's, I think that's why the issue of like going from 320 to 319, because that's that in that, great, it's in that, yeah, it's on that boundary line. So, and is this where Mulder mentions that he wonders if like Dr. Grable could be like using his mind powers to like heat the tank up with his brain? 
I don't think he's there yet, but I think okay. he does get there. Okay, because I already talked about it, but I, I couldn't remember if this is when he says it or not. Yeah, that's why the temperature is different. Because I was maybe it is because I was really hoping we were going to get because he says like, oh yeah, they're asking if they could look at his records, and they actually like his personal records, and that's where we find out that he used Roland as a donor. Yes, but I was hoping we were going to get like records of all the temperature fluctuations, and then we were going to match those to the times of death, and it's going to turn Ooh. out whenever, whenever, he's, whenever he's like something, whatever. I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but whenever something happens involving Roland, that like the temperature then goes up a little bit, and that's what was going on. But they didn't do that because no. they're not as good a writer as I am. Uh, then we get Mulder and Scully with a photo analyst, and he's he apparently got a picture of Dr. Grable, which is not the picture from the photo. It's like it looks like a mugshot, maybe it's a passport photo. I don't know, yeah, but it's like straight on, like that straight on kind of like driver's license photo, whatever. It's like it's probably it's... from his ID badge for work. They probably oh, have to it take could photos, be. yeah. He doesn't look really happy in that photo anyway. No. But so he's like, hey, can we, you remove Grable's facial hair? And she's like, yeah, no problem. And like, it just like fades away. And we get like a jawline and everything. It just magically appears. That's cool. And then we change his haircut and we pull off the glasses and boom, it looks just like Roland, except for it's a little bit chubbier. And so they make him skinnier and then boom, it's exactly Roland. And yep. I'm not sure why they did, didn't do like a cross comparison with Roland, like get a photo of Roland and do that. Um, like take Roland's photo and make it look like Grable because that would actually be more possible than like giving Dr. Grable an actual jawline by taking his beard away. But TV. Yeah, it is. So And called it, although it was telegraphed on a screen the size of the moon that they're yeah. twins. But now we know pretty much for sure. Yep. So, so then Mulder is with Roland again. And he's asking him about his dreams. And then Roland's like, I'm, like, I don't want to talk about my dreams because they're bad. And he's like, well, and then Roland gets upset. And Mulder's like, no, Roland, like your dreams, your dreams are bad, but you're not bad. It's just your dreams. And then Mulder tells him about a dream he had, which I don't know if this is like foreshadowing for like an X-Files episode or something. But it's about Mulder's dad. Like he was in a swimming pool and he could see his father underwater. But when he tried to dive down, the water stung his eyes and there was a man watching him asking questions he didn't want to answer. And then when he tried to go back in the water, his dad was gone and he couldn't find him. And I don't know what's going on there, <laughs> but mm, maybe sharing a little too much Mulder. And then like Roland still doesn't want to answer, doesn't want to tell him about his dreams. And so Mulder's like looking around and he finally does tell him a little bit and he says like he hit Tracy in his dream and Tracy's in the room and she kind of looks and he's like, Oh, okay. Well, maybe not. Let's not go there kind of thing. And then Mulder's kind of looking around, seeing like for some other way to talk to Roland and he sees a remote control UFO toy on the shelf. Cause of course he's going to see the UFO toy, right? Oh, it's 100%. Mulder. He's totally yeah. going to find the UFO toy. <laughs> and so he's like, Hey Roland, do you know how to use this? And Roland's like, yeah. And so he puts, he puts it on the floor and in my head, I'm thinking it's going to be a flying toy because I'm yeah, thinking that's what like, I thought. Because I'm thinking like current. I'm not thinking like 1993. Of course, it's not going to be flying in 1993. No, but, but they did have those like Radio oh, Shack they? helicopters you could buy that like way back I think, then. I'm pretty sure because I remember like my brother wanted. I think my brother wanted for Christmas. Maybe I wanted one for Christmas. We never got one. Okay, but I'm pretty sure they existed. But they were like you know 700, 800. They were yeah. Super well, that's what expensive. I was thinking. Yeah, it wouldn't have like, been like this kind of toy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, nowadays, yeah, you can just go to the store and buy a 
a drone basically yeah oh, like, exactly yeah. but yeah so he puts it on the floor and roland's making it drive around on the floor and he tells roland he's like see roland that's like what's happening to you like the you're the ufo and the dreams are the controller and roland is like who runs the controls Mulder's like, uh, I don't know. So then he shows him a photo of Dr. Grable and Roland. So we get flashbacks again of, of Roland being a kid and they're the, you know, they're the twins and one being put in the car and then leaving. And then we see him like killing Dr. Keats. And I think we see a shot of him like Dr. Cernow also like flying into the turbine. I don't remember. And they start screaming and he runs upstairs. And Scully and Mrs. Stody show up and they're like, oh my God, what's going on? And so Tracy chases him to the bathroom and Mulder goes in there and they hear like, he's trying to get away. He's trying to get away. So Mulder runs outside. They're trying to get Roland out of the bathroom. We hear the bathroom window break and then no Roland. He's gone. Mulder can't find him outside. And then we get a shot of Scully like looking through the window from the outside. It's all broken. And like the screen is all like pulled back and Roland's gone. Yeah. Yeah, so this at this point, like we see, there were twins. They obviously just gave Roland up, and he looks old. Like I, I know they say like three, but like he looks like he's five or six to me. Yeah, and like I feel like it's just super. I'm just gonna swear. It's just really mm-hmm. crappy. Like you're keeping the one kid because he's like. I mean, whatever, I call people but... a dick on this episode all the time. You could probably say shitty. Yeah. Anyway, it's just a really crappy thing to do, and like you know, I mean, I know that like. I, don't, I mean, again, not a parent, but, like, I just can't imagine giving up my kid just because, like, sometimes they were a little difficult, you know, or, like, weren't as smart or whatever. Who cares? Like, oh, yeah. it's just gross. Yep. So the whole, like, who runs the controls thing, one is, like, that's a moment, and we'll talk more about moments at the end. This kind of gets more into my other stuff, the personal stuff. But, like, was Mulder leading him with that metaphor, or was that just, like, a bad metaphor and he hadn't thought it out very well? Because... Like, unless you know, unless you're trying to tell someone that, like, someone is controlling them, that's not really a good metaphor for how dreams work. No, but, but I think Mulder is starting to suspect at this point that something is controlling him. Okay, so he was kind dreams. of, so he was trying to lead him, maybe. Yeah, because I think okay. he kind of suspects that something's going on with with Grable and being able to, like, control Roland. And this will come up in the next scene. Okay. So I, wasn't, I, think, I wasn't completely sure. It was like, was that, a, like, a bad metaphor? Or were you no, trying I think he's to literally saying, you're okay. being controlled. It's not okay. your fault. Okay. <laughs> um, so then we're back at the Mahan Propulsion Lab. And in the hallway of the lab, Mulder and Scully are walking. And Scully's like, well, Mulder, you're going to have to explain how Roland is capable of these, like, terrible murders, plus, like, getting into these computer systems and stuff he shouldn't have access to. And, like, you know, you're going to have to basically make the case that he's a suspect to get anything put out on Roland. Like, they can do, like, a missing person thing, but they can't do, like, an APB kind of thing. Although you would think an adult who, like, a special needs adult, right? I mean, that's what he is. He's a special needs adult. You think a special needs adult, like, like, out in the community would be, like, something you could actually get a report on because like you know they could obviously be hurt or something like that you would think that'd be almost like a like a missing although i guess missing children even they make you wait like 24 hours or something so yeah well and cops don't care they're just like whatever he left on his own he's an adult screw off like they don't care um (laughs) they probably just shoot him anyway so no 
<laughs> we say this a lot, but our justice system is super messed up. Anyway, and then Mulder's like, you've got a brother, right? And Scully's like, yeah, I've actually got like an older brother and a younger brother. She also has a sister. Yeah, I was saying, and a sister, yeah. Who doesn't, I don't think she has the sister yet. So I think that's I why mean, Melissa they were Catholic, mentioned. So there's going to be a lot. But anyway, of so she mentioned she's so. got, you know, two brothers. And he's like, well, have you ever thought about calling one of your brothers all day? And then suddenly the phone rings and it's your brother. And she's like, well, yeah. And Mulder's like, you know, he believes in psychic connections and he thinks that connection is stronger between family members and probably stronger between siblings and even stronger between twins. And he thinks, you know, he's like, Grable isn't dead. He's in a state of unconsciousness that no one has ever returned from. But what if that's given him a stronger psychic link to his twin brother? And so, like, Skelly's like, oh, oh, maybe. And so then they decide to go talk to security to see if they can get, like, any kind of security footage to figure out what's going on. And as they walk away, we see Frank Nolette in another room, and he's watching them on the security camera, and he's listening in. So he knows yeah. what they're talking about. Yeah, because he gets – because then – <laughs> I guess before we do that, I should say Scully does get in a little joke when she's talking about like, have you ever thought about calling your brother and then he calls you and I think there's a bond. She's like, so are you trying to tell me like a way I can save on my long distance phone bill? Remember long distance phone bills? That was such a thing. That was a yeah. thing. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. And you would think because we did get like when Cerno was like in the room before he got sucked in, we did get a shot that was like security footage of like him like from the corner of the room. Like with him, like, hey, I'm trying to get out, whatever. And so it's like, wouldn't they have like, like, is there only security footage in that room? Wouldn't they have looked at that stuff earlier to see what was going on? But, I mean, you would hope so, but I don't, yeah. I don't know. From yeah. all but the stuff I've heard about true crime, like, it seems like the stuff that people should do doesn't happen as often happens. as you think it should. It really yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Well, not even true crime. I mean, some recent crimes, there's been some stuff like that, too. Yeah, um, where it's where just like the stuff cameras, should have been looked at. Yeah, where like they didn't bother to go. I mean, recent case of the individuals, some of the individuals who were found hanging from like light posts and stuff recently mm -hmm. this summer. And one of them was like, they didn't bother to go through the neighborhood to see if anyone has security footage. And it turns out there were actually several businesses who did have security footage that like showed that exact spot on the street where that would have happened. But because the police waited, like the police didn't even bother to check until like they were like basically bullied into checking by like the community. Right. And it turned out that a lot of those businesses recycled their footage mm -hmm. like after so many hours, unless something has actually happened. Which I guess yeah, if you don't have... check it right away, like yeah. that stuff gets recorded and with, over. And, and, with the, and with the pandemic, some of those businesses weren't open, so they didn't think that they needed to check. And so that footage is gone. We could have actually known what had happened to some of those individuals or at least one of those individuals. And we don't. Well, yeah, no, it's a bummer. Because More than police, a bummer. It's, yeah, it's disgusting. Because the police are actually but... really good at being police. So, yeah. Anyway. Are they good or bad? They're bad at it. Anyway. Well, yeah. they're bad at it. They're good at it, depending on what. They're good at maintaining the status quo and not doing the things that they don't want to do. Yeah. They're bad at solving crimes. We'll put it that way. Yes. <laughs> they really are. You should look at the murder rates in your county or like solve rates and stuff. It's, yeah, anyway, just a thing to think about. If you're ever curious or bored on, late at night, just look up your like county solve statistics. It's terrifying. Yeah. So anyway, so apparently they have security footage that is super fancy because you can, if you're watching the security cameras, you can also hear what is being said. Either that oh, yeah. or Frank Nolet <laughs> is like super awesome at reading lips. Maybe. Because... <laughs> he hears the theory that Grable is possibly controlling Roland. And so 
Next, we find out that he is at the Avalon Foundation and he has a gum wrapper and he puts it over his swipe card and he says, Arthur, you probably appreciate this because it's like a, I guess it's a prank. I don't know. But he swipes it with the gum wrapper and boom, he's in. He's able to go into the cryogenic section. I mean, because I guess they work in the same. They're all at the Washington Institute of Technology. There's a different department, right? So right. I guess the cards are maybe all the same, but you need special pass. And apparently using some Wrigley gum will get you into the cryogenic section. And so he goes Doesn't over. Doesn't seem true, but. Well, maybe. Who knows? And so he goes over to Arthur's canister. He is a super scientist. You know, he probably figured it out. <laughs> so he goes over to Arthur's canister. And he types a number on the keypad with a pen. So he doesn't leave fingerprints. Ah, uh, see, super scientist, master criminal, not going to leave fingerprints on the keypad. Type some numbers in the keypad. And the temperature starts, I want to say dropping because it's negative, And so the numbers are getting smaller. But it's actually going up, right? The temperature is right. going up in the canister. And he's like, see you later. And walks away. And meanwhile, Roland is on like some catwalk in one of the labs i'm not sure where he's like up in a bunch of catwalk and there's pipes all this kind of stuff and he's writing with both hands simultaneously in a notebook doing like all these crazy equations just writing 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 so yeah Yeah. so i was just like there's no way a gum wrapper over a card would work no matter how bad your security system is i feel like that's really crappy he's super scientist and then also, how does he get the number? Like, how does he know the code to mess with the capsule? Like, you have to have a special code. Well, maybe he's in charge of more than just that thing. Maybe he's got inside information. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, he hacked in because he's a super scientist. And so he got yeah, I guess. I don't know. It was just like, this doesn't seem possible. Yeah. There's no way I can believe you're capable of doing this. Because, like, even if it's not in a separate building, or even if that did get him into the building, to me, I thought he just opened that room I didn't, but I mean, you had to get into like the whole area and that room. I don't know. It just seemed like a lot. Maybe he's in charge of all the science at the Washington Institute <laughs> of Technology. And so he can just go wherever he wants. But then he would. Then, then why do you need a gum wrapper? Right. Well, maybe the gum wrapper was so that they wouldn't know who entered the room. Maybe. Like somehow it still works because it's still like, because maybe the card, because you have to punch in a code. So it's not the card that lets you in. The card just says that you're allowed access, right? So it's like it's like a it's like a like a two key authentication kind of thing. So you type in the code, and then you have to have a valid card. So maybe you type in the code to get in the door, which we don't see him do, but apparently that's how it worked. Because remember, Roland got it when Doctor Keeps was being a dick and like, yeah, put your number in first, Roland, you dummy, because he's mean and is rude, and so would say something like that. I wouldn't say something like that because that's mean. And anyway, so he punches in the code, but then the card, maybe the card is tagged to people, but maybe you just need like an electrical connection. And so by using the gum wrapper, it disguises who it was that punched in the code to get in the room. Okay, that's actually, that's fair. Yeah, I don't think it works that way, but that's fun. Again, I mean, <laughs> I can be both generous and nitpicky at the same time. <laughs> I contain multitudes. I mean, you can explain so, it away, which is something that I do all the time. Yeah. So. Well, you're not, well, see, the thing is, you're not supposed to have to explain it away because you're not supposed to think about it. It's just be like, oh, science. Mm, yeah. So. I mean, I'm not even good at science, and I know that's not how that works. But okay. Well, that's because you're not good at science. If you were good at science, you would know it does work that way. So. All right. now, and now that we know officially what's going on, I think we can also officially say that Arthur Grables is a dick too. Oh yeah, one hundred percent because of what he's doing to his brother. Oh yeah, so, no, he's not a good guy at all. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Mulder's talking about when he's discussing his whole like psychic bond thing with siblings, and he's like, "Twin siblings, especially with twins, and twin siblings who share the same womb." And I'm like, 
Um, what other kind of twin siblings are there? Because I'm pretty sure all twin siblings share the same womb. Uh, could be wrong, but that just seemed a weird thing to a little qualifier on that. And then uh, Scully's got her little frozen fudge sickle, which I thought was funny because you got to love alliteration. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Arthur Grables is a frozen fudge sickle. Also, man, I haven't had a fudge sickle in forever. That sounds really good. <laughs> Anyway, not what we're supposed to take away from this, but man, I wish I bought more popsicles. Regrets. You could order some from the store and have them delivered. I know. I know. Next time I do a grocery thing, I'll have to think about it. So then we're at the FBI regional headquarters in Seattle, Washington. Seattle. (laughs) Scully has gotten Arthur and Roland's birth records. So we do, in fact, know for a fact, no doubt, they are identical twins. And they got their cute little footprints on them too when they come out of the fax machine oh my god and someone gave up one of those kids like what is wrong with you anyway (laughs) oh so scully while they're talking about this gets a call from larry barrington at the avalon foundation and he tells her that the internal thermostat on grable's capsule was damaged after a break-in last night and the temperature is still rising so they're trying to get it stable but they're just not able to so i mean i guess she maybe they gave this guy their number and was like if anything weird happens let us know because like he definitely lets them know <laughs> yeah. i have to say two things one it's nice that like the seattle branch of the fbi like has desks available for Mulder and scully because they're like just they've got they've got like facing desks and they're just like hey they're hanging out talking at the desks so they just have like open desks available for people to use that's cool although they're like covered in papers and stuff so maybe there's someone else's desk and they got booted maybe and then scully of course gets to do exposition on how twins work now so she got to do exposition on liquid nitrogen (laughs) and how twins work because we get to hear about how identical twins are when a single egg and a single sperm split afterwards so it's like oh thank you scully i would not have figured that out right well you know maybe the casual viewer doesn't know what a fraternal and identical twin is i don't know yeah dana exposition scully probably like on her birth certificate her middle name is exposition her parents <laughs> named her accurately good job what parents. is her middle name uh, i'm sure there's probably something it's, it's probably like changes too at some point probably yeah anyway, anyway yeah so roland is still working at the jet propulsion engine and he's now at the computer and he's typing stuff up and wait is he yeah he is okay rewind so roland is still working on the jet propulsion engine and he's at the computer now though he's not writing stuff in notebooks and meanwhile he's getting flashes of like the rising temperature in the capsule and he was getting those when he was writing the notebook too like he'd be writing and then he'd stop for a second and you see like 310 309 negative mind you degrees Mm -hmm. as it goes up in temperature He's kind of sweating. He's struggling to concentrate. He's trying to type and like he's having to think obviously because as the temperature goes up, that brain is probably having to work harder or is dying or something. I don't know how that works. And he's running the engine and it's going up in speed. And then Frank Nolette comes up behind him. And I think actually he does by the time Nolette shows up because he gets stuck for a second, like at like nine point something, which is interesting because that is actually a barrier that existed for a while. Was it like 9.6, I think, or 9.8, Mach 9.8. Anyway, that was a real barrier. They wouldn't have known that because it happened later. But I think he does get up to 15.3 or something after he is able to like type some other stuff in. And so it's like a little alarm goes off and they get 15. It's all ding, 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 ding. You win. And then Frank Nolette comes from behind him 
And then Roland, who I think we now is probably Arthur, is like, this isn't yours. And Frank is like super impressed. He's like, look at you. Look, I'm looking at this body in front of me. And yet you're in control of it. So Frank Nolette is definitely talking to Arthur, mm-hmm. even though Roland is sitting in front of him, which is kind of rude. And then, although it seems like it's actually Arthur now, because then he says, you took my work. And Frank says, your work was brilliant, but you weren't able to finish it. And now I'm the one who's going to get all the glory. So it's awesome you came back because now we got it. And I'm going to be the one to get the glory because you killed everybody else. And then he pulls out a gun and he says, here's what's going to happen. When they find you, I'll be like, I was sitting here working. And then you attacked me. And of course, I had a gun because my last two colleagues have been killed mysteriously. So, of course, I had a gun at work. And then while he's talking, he's like looking at the computer screen that Roland had been typing. And he sees some of the math and he's like, oh, oh, my God. And he like totally gets like an epiphany or something. And he starts typing, working on the math. He's like got some ideas for the equation and basically forgets about Roland. (laughs) And so Roland smacks him with a keyboard and knocks him to the floor. And meanwhile, Moeller and Scully have like pulled up to the lab and they're banging on the door, flashing their FBI badges and security lets them in and they rush inside. Right. And then Frank Millette wakes up and he's inside the propulsion chamber, of course. Oops. And uh, the engine turns on and Frank like grabs the little screen and is like holding on and the engine's getting faster and Mulder and Scully burst into the room and Roland is sitting at the computer and the propulsion chamber's locked so they can't get Nolet out. And so Scully like begs Roland to turn off the machine and Roland flashes back to being separated from his brother again. And then like, he finally like tries to shut it off, but now he like, can't remember how. And they're like, you know, open the door, open the door. And he's like trying and he can't figure it out. And then he finally manages to hit the right key on the keyboard that shuts the engine off and like allows the door to open. And so Mulder gets the door open and like runs in to grab Frank and meanwhile, we see the cryogenic capsule has hit negative 150 degrees Fahrenheit. And it kind of like does like a beep. Yes, that must be like some special like. Yeah, open. some point where you can't yeah. get back from or something. And like shuts it off at the very last second because like Nolette has like lost his grip on the on the grate and is flying through the air. And then it shuts down to so like, oh, and he like falls on the ground in the middle. So he doesn't actually get sucked into the jet engine. So good timing yeah. on that. Yeah, although I, I sent you a I sent you a screen cap. Of, I know. Uh, there's one part where they cut and, and it's from like showing Nolet grabbing onto the screen holding for dear life. And they must have not been like filming. They were obviously filming, but they must not have said action because he's just touching the, the grate. But he's got that face of like, I'm hanging on for dear life. But he's like, he's just barely touching it. So he's right. he hasn't not quite hanging on. grabbed it yet. Yeah, so good job, editor. He didn't notice that. Which apparently from the stuff that I read, like you wouldn't be able to hold on anyway because like at that speed, you wouldn't be able to do anything. You would just get yeah. sucked in. Like you can't even Although breathe. there is like, it's rounded on the sides, but there is like, I guess it's probably rounded. It's not, it doesn't look like it's rounded at the bottom. There's a little bit of, I thought this when, when, when Cerno was in there first time too, like, wouldn't you be better just to like cower in that corner up against it? Because you would have less wind resistance trying to pull you in if you were tucked in the furthest possible corner. As opposed yeah. to like, let me let me just stand right in front of it and try to hang on to the grate, which is what they both do. Yeah. So, but I don't know. That probably still wouldn't work at some point. It yeah, I think after so a much air. Point, you're just. But I mean, most of those kind of rooms don't have like they're actually like cylindrical. But yeah, they, they had to build this one, so eh, you know, hey, whatever. 
But I would be like, yeah, you know, it's negative 150 degrees Fahrenheit and it beeps. And it's like, okay, his brain must be dead now. He lost control of rolling. I'm like, dude, just crank that sucker up and cook that head for a while. Because like, apparently his work was so important and he's not going to get credit for it because he's dead. Like, that's more important to him than like his own brother. Right. Like, which... We'll talk about it in, uh, as we get to the yeah. end here, but I think his motives for having his brother back in his life are all completely selfish anyway. Yeah, true, because he doesn't... Yeah, we'll, we'll save it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's like, dude, you're, like, killing people. I mean, even if it wasn't, like, what he's doing to his brother, he's still, like, killing people, but we don't... We don't ever get the... You kind of assume, possibly, but it doesn't seem that way, that, like, they had him killed. Like, maybe Nolette had him killed. That's what you're kind of thinking, but we never get any of that. Yeah, so, so I mean, it seems that? like he just had a bad accident. It just sucked. And it was just, just died. Bad timing. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I can understand like killing your colleagues if they killed you. Right, like the last episode. Like the last, like the very last, like immediately last episode. Yeah, the exact same. Plot, <laughs> like born <basically>. again. <laughs> yeah, but like we never get that. I don't know if we're supposed to assume that or what, but yeah, I, I think know. we're just supposed to assume Arthur's a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, Arthur. Yeah, Arthur's not a good person. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. like killing people so he can get like posthumous credit for work so then we cut back to the heritage halfway house we don't get a little screen thing but we're obviously there and Mulder and scully are talking to mrs stody and saying that roland is going to be taken into psychiatric custody for evaluation and mrs Stody's like is he going to be charged with a crime like he couldn't have committed that i can't believe he did any of that stuff like what's going to happen and Mulder's like no he's just going to be you know they're going to keep an eye on him and that he's going to recommend that Roland be remanded to her custody. So basically let loose and stay with her as soon as the court deems it's appropriate. So like he won't be away unnecessarily. And then Mulder is starting to show her the work that Roland did and starting to go into his crazy explanation. Which I mean isn't really crazy because it's X-Files, right? But then Scully steps in and kind of like does a little more normal explanation of why. You know, they just they're trying to figure out what's going on. And so they're going to question him because like we don't want Mulder to like totally alienate Mrs. Stody like he did with the doctor in the last episode as well. When he starts <laughs> spouting his theories and people are like, what are you crazy? So. And then meanwhile, we're Roland's upstairs and he's packing a suitcase and he's carefully folding his shirts. And Tracy comes in and she asks him where he's going and tells him that she doesn't want him to go and he says that he has to but then he goes to his closet and he gets his big jar of star stickers and he's like keep my stars so he gives them to her and she's holding them and then he's walking away and she's like i love you and he's like me too and he walks away and then he goes to the bathroom and is brushing his hair and then Mulder and scully are standing there and then he kind of stops and looking at himself in the mirror and as he's brushing his hair and then puts the brush down and walks away and that's the end of the episode. Yep. So, and I'm totally upset with that ending. Because, like, don't end it that way. Like, let him live his life. Like, just let him be free. Like, don't <laughs> give us that little thing of, like, oh, is he still possessed by his brother? No, f- screw his brother. Like, just let him be Roland and let him yeah. be normal. Well, that's I think you could up. take that looking in the mirror as kind of, like, checking to make sure that he's himself. Yeah, but the way he puts down that brush, he, it's not like, oh, cool, I'm still myself. It's kind of like something's not right because he does it kind of abruptly and then walks away yeah it might be more like something wasn't right and he's just not sure like that's a pretty scary thing to have happen to have someone like in your head as we've learned from this (laughs) yeah as we've learned from all these episodes that have the exact same thing with someone in someone else's head yeah it's a thing that keeps happening in the Mm x-files yeah 
Yeah. So I think he, he will be like, they'll probably evaluate him, decide that he didn't do any of that stuff and hopefully let him back home. Yeah, that's the story we can tell ourselves. Yep. Yeah. So, and he'll go yeah. back to a job, maybe being a janitor somewhere else or maybe doing something else. Who knows? Yeah, because we're assuming that job at the lab is no longer there because basically <laughs> everyone, like, I don't know what's going to happen with Nolette. He's um, probably going to face some serious questions. And so hopefully he'll go yeah. to jail. Fingers yeah. crossed. I mean, he did. He was going to murder Roland. Yeah. In a way. I mean, I don't know how you prove that. But Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they'll keep the security footage. <laughs> yeah. Unless we find out there is like some investigation and then like he did kill Arthur Grable. And so yeah. he goes to prison for that because we don't know. That's what yeah, it seemed like. They, that's how it seemed they were going. And maybe that's why he knew all the stuff and was like able to go in because he had planned all this stuff and had access to Arthur Grable's head. And maybe. So he was in all that stuff. Like that would make sense, but we don't get any of that in the episode. Yeah. Yeah, so this episode, I gotta say, was not the horror fest that I was thinking it might be. So I'm, I'm glad for that. Yeah, we um, had, in the end of last episode, we discussed um, a specific word that we were afraid was going to be appearing in the episode. And it turns out it does not. So that Or just cool. not even the word, but like what... Right. How a show in the 90s would handle a topic like this. Right, but there was but there was a use of a word that you mm-hmm. yeah. mentioned. Yeah, oh, for sure. And it was and in the weird. X-Files guide, like the official X-Files yeah, guide. So it That's wasn't why the, I was like... So the, yeah, the, the X-Files did not use it at all. No, That's all on Brian Lowry. He used it. He's not good. Don't use that word, Brian Lowry. And then also he made an error again in his book, so... What was the error? He mentioned, so the actor, the actor who plays Roland, who I'm not going to say his name. If you want to say it, that's cool. I know I cannot pronounce it properly because he is from, well, he was born in Yugoslavia, which is now Slovenia. And I know I cannot pronounce his name. Yeah, it's kind and of And so a... I'm, I'm not going to try to pronounce it because it's a lot of consonants in a row. And I don't know how you do that in that language. And so I'm not going to try, but you can look him up. And he is, he gets a lot of credit for this episode and he's had a pretty long career. He had a pretty good career before this episode. And then he's had a career like going on past. But anyway, Brian Lowry gives some credits he was in and he says he was in a movie, which he actually is not in. So he says he was in Agnes of God, which he's not. So was he in the play? Maybe. Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Because I know like a lot of times actors are in stage plays. So another book mentioned is what actually mentions that. That's where I saw that. Because in Lowry's book, it does say he was in that. And I think one or two other things. And then in another book, it actually specifies that he actually has nothing to do with that, even though it was mentioned in Lowry's book. Oh, okay. Interesting. So I guess my one issue, and this is, I'm not really an expert on this stuff at all, but just like the one trope that I thought was a little bit like, oh, of course they went there. It was like, you know, a disabled person being literally controlled by somebody else. And like, you know, he does get his agency back kind of at the end. Um, but just having his agency, he doesn't have any in the episode because he's literally being controlled by his brother. And so like, that's just something that like happens to disabled characters a lot is they don't have their own agency. And unfortunately, the way our society treats disabled people, a lot of times they do lack agency because we don't allow them to have like, resources or support that would allow them to like leave a partner who's maybe controlling and abusive because they can't have a certain amount of income or they lose their like benefits they lose their health insurance and so like we just have a really crappy system for that and that's also like a trope that just kind of sucks like the disabled person is a prop and like 
being used as like a puppet by their actual family member. But I mean, it is obviously shown as bad too. Like it's not shown as like a good thing. And obviously like he does kind of get his agency back at the end. We hope. Yeah. Because hopefully Grable is. I mean, and that is a thing that also happens with just elderly people as well. Yes. But yeah, people who basically society assumes they're not able to take care of themselves. And so someone else has to, and then when that someone else, I mean, in this case, obviously the people like actually like, you know, where Roland is living is actually letting him. Yeah. Know, he has a job. He's allowed to do his thing. He's interacting with other individuals. It's good. We're talking about his brother in this case, but yes, there are like other family members or sometimes when people are actually in homes and they just aren't allowed to basically have any say over their own lives because right. society deems that they don't have the capability to do so. Right, which even if you have, like, I mean, even if you're on the, I don't know, at the end of the autism spectrum, like, at the, you know, high, I don't know how you would phrase that, but, like, at the point where you're, you know, not able to do some things for yourself, you still deserve to have agency and make choices, and you're still capable of that, and however you communicate, you should be able to communicate that, and having people take that away from you is something we shouldn't we shouldn't allow people to take that away from people basically. Right. And obviously in this case, like Roland is literally <laughs> taken over by his brother. And again, not shown as a good thing. It's not like this is what we should be doing. It's shown as distinctly evil, <laughs> but I can yeah. see why that trope is like problematic. Yeah. Although, I mean, in fairness, I don't know if they did it specifically because he was, you know, whatever his cognitive ability is in this episode again we don't get any like if he's autistic or no what, we don't ever there, find there, out because there, uh, there obviously is some physical stuff this too because like when he's writing like he doesn't seem to have like full dexterity of his hands and that kind of stuff and he speaks with a little bit of an impediment and so like how much of that is cognitive and how much of that is like developmental like both like you know brain and body but I mean, we we basically got the exact. We mentioned we got the exact same thing happening last episode, where yes. someone is being basically taken over by another spirit. Although that one is supposed to be reincarnation, whereas this one is more of like possession. And then we had the same thing with Lazarus, although that was like a body coming <laughs> back to life in a different body, right? I know. So yeah, it's like so it's same. happening a lot. Yeah, it's not just because yeah. he's. Disabled. But like the one thing when I said like we'll put a pin in it is like not only like the psychic like control of Roland, but also like of the whole, like Dr. Grable, like goes, like he obviously knows it's his brother. Right. Oh yeah. He knows, but he, everything. but he doesn't express that to anyone. Like no one knows, like he doesn't go like to where like Roland lives and say like, Hey, I'm his long lost brother. We were separated as children. Cause my parents sucked. He just like, I'm going to, I found my brother and I'm going to have him work with me. I don't know why, uh, like, it, was there some sort of, like, I want to help him out, but I don't want to be involved in his life? Oh, like, no. I don't, I don't know what the deal is there. I mean, he couldn't have, like, planned, like, oh, when I get killed, I'm going to make sure I can take my brother <laughs> over. And no, then, I don't think it's and that. And then use him to, like, clone a new body for myself when they freeze my head. I don't think that was, but, like, what was the motivation mm-hmm. to, like, seek out his brother and get him a job where he works when he doesn't express that knowledge to anybody that it's his brother. I know. And so, like, what could have, if he were a good person, what Arthur Graber would have done is he would have gone to Miss Doty and say, hey, Roland's my brother. He would have told Roland, hey, I'm your brother. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. We were separated. They could have, like, reconnected. And I'm going to get you this job where I work so that you have, like, 
a job where you know we can like see each other and yeah. you know, have you know whatever because i feel really bad for the way my parents treat our parents treated you yeah because our want, parents basically I, threw you out on their your ass for no reason because they're yeah. terrible and people. so i want to be involved in your life and help and make sure you're able right. to like live the best life you can Arthur Grable's not a good person. I think he sought Roland out because he did want access to tissue, whether it was for cryogenics or just later, you know, if his liver failed or something. And possibly, possibly also, like you mentioned earlier, to use him as like a, a scapegoat if anything happened or something, you know. Yeah. I mean, again, that's like, like you know, like he's planning long term about he's going to do something not nice, which I mean he doesn't maybe seem to be a nice person at least in death he's not a nice person because what he's right. doing to his brother i imagine more likely it's just like the writers didn't even think about that like oh, oh probably not it's just yeah he's just here and no one knows it's his brother but he does but that's we're okay. gonna think about it there's no word, yeah there's no word motivation there but what the reason why i want to put a pin in that is because like he has roland as a donor to help clone body but yet who did Roland give permission for that? Where's the permission on that to like use Roland as a donor for tissue? Yeah. Oh, like, I bet he either had Roland sign a form or like fake the signature and Roland probably didn't know what it was. Or, like, or you know, or they just don't bother to check like, Oh yeah, totally here, fill it out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Use this person. We won't ask them if it's cool or not. We assume it's cool. Or maybe like when they go to ask him, he'll be like, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? I don't know. But yeah, so anyway, Arthur Grable sucks. Roland's parents suck. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode is very, like you said, like it's so much like Born Again that we just saw. Yeah. It's, it's Although, I, it's, de- it's definitely better than Born Again. Oh, yeah, definitely for a better sure. Episode. I did, one of the books I have actually thinks that Born Again is a better episode. They, they talk about how like the, like why are there two back-to-back episodes that are basically the same story? And why did they do that? But then they mentioned the fact that they think Born Again is a better episode. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, how is Born, however, could Born Again be a better episode than this one? I don't understand. But yeah, I feel like this episode at least was like interesting because at least it did have like a good mystery. Like, you're kind of like, yeah. what's going and on? And good acting. The acting was good. And yeah, and the script, I mean, the plot made a little bit more sense. I mean, we just kind of tore apart one little aspect of it, but that's probably the stuff you're not supposed to think <laughs> about, right? As in most plots. David Nutter did say, though, that this was the weakest script he had ever received in his directing. But then he credits the actor who plays Roland for basically saving the episode. So, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not a bad idea. I just like so many of these episodes. I feel like they start with like, okay, what if someone's cryogenically frozen and they're psychically controlling their twin who's still alive? Like that could be cool. But then they kind of get into this stuff where you're like, why, what is happening? And like, like you said, what's Arthur's motivation? Cause like, he's not going to get credit. He's dead. It doesn't matter how many people he kills. No one's going to be like Arthur Grable did this thing. They're going to be like, this team did this thing. And this guy died before that happened. Well, then also, what's his motivation for getting rolling that job? Like, is, is some sense of guilt? Like, I mean, it could be. I mean, I can imagine someone being like that who's not a nice person who'd be like, oh, I feel really bad my parents treated my brother like that and sent him yeah. away, but I don't want to be involved in his life. So I'll just try to help him out, like, anonymously. I could actually <laughs> see that being a person being like that. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to be around that person, but I guess I could see that. But still, it just is weird. Although, yeah. like, for David Nutter saying, like, this was the weakest script he's ever received as a director, I was kind of like, well, it's because you didn't direct Born Again. But, <laughs> so. Yeah, Born Again was not, not <laughs> that was great. A good episode. Yeah, this is definitely better. 
So, but yeah, why do they put the exact same plot? They're back to back. Did they not have any sort of like pre-planning for like when these episodes were going to go? And we know they moved some around because they know we like ice got bumped up, I think, because they needed to save money. And then they bumped up. Was it Beyond the Sea that got bumped up because they wanted to make Scully like more endearing to people because all the misogyny trolls on the internet were complaining about Scully? Is that the right episode that that happened? But they did move some of the episodes around. So, like, why are these, like, back-to-back with basically the same plot device? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't great planning on their part. I don't know if that just happened or what, but it didn't. If you were watching (laughs) and you're just, like, like if you're binge-watching it now, which wasn't a thing back then, usually. Well, even here, like, there was nothing in between. These were, like, one week next week. Yeah. There was no episode. There was no reruns in between. Yeah, although I'm sure when I watched it when it originally aired, I was probably like, oh, this is scary. The first, That one, last one was scary, and this one's scary, too. I don't know. I don't know if they were scary, but I was well, like, oh, it's good. you were 11, right? I mean. Like 12. 12 yeah, yeah, 11, 12. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, I, this sent me down a cryogenics rabbit hole, by the way, because I was really interested. Because, like, I've heard about cryogenics a lot. I think Radiolab had an episode on it, like, years ago. But I was just kind of curious. And so it turns out there are like 300 Americans currently in cryogenic capsules. Some, most are heads only. Walt Disney um, actually is not one of them, even though he is the one that people usually mention. He's, yeah. His, his head is not frozen. It's yeah, that didn't happen. Myth. Yeah. His body's under the haunted mansion. Everyone knows that. <laughs> is it really? No. Okay. I just lots, made that lots up. Of, lots of I'm people's just start ashes more. are in the haunted mansion, though. Oh, Apparently, yeah. People, people dump like ashes. Just, yeah. People dump ashes. Not just in the haunted mansion, like at Disneyland, because that's where they want to die. And there's apparently like a whole team of people, like a biohazard team mm-hmm. at Walt Disney World and land, and probably like some of the, the overseas ones as well, that their job is to go around cleaning up like people's Like ashes vacuuming that... up cremains. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's that's John cool. Hodgman. The podcast just had an episode about that. There's a woman who, like, when she dies, she wants her daughter to sprinkle her ashes in Disney World. And, like, there was this whole thing about, like, how can you do this ethically? And also, you're just going to get vacuumed up by these people who come around and, like, vacuum up ashes. So, like, it's definitely a thing. Anyway, I was reading articles because I was like, well, like, how this has been... People have been freezing themselves for, like, 20 years or something. It's been going on for a while longer than that, obviously. And so I was like, well, how feasible is this? So I started reading some articles. And there's one that we'll link to that, like, has a bunch of experts basically weighing in on it. And like, there's one or two experts who are like, oh, those people are going to be woken up tomorrow. Our science is great. And like, most of them are like, no, those people are dead because the way they were frozen, like, well, there's two things. So one, they believe that cryostasis will be a thing in the future, but the way that people are frozen now, like after cardiac arrest or whatever, like you're already dead and it doesn't matter how soon after death, like you just can't bring people back. Yeah. Cause you're immediately getting tissue damage. Right. And then by the time they're able to like get your body and like transfer your fluids out, because basically they need to, they need to get all the water out of your body. Cause if they freeze you with water in your body, there's going to be ice crystals and your body's going to get messed up with ice. Well, crystals. and that's the other thing they said is that basically there's no way to prevent ice crystals because you can't remove enough fluid without damaging the cells. Yeah. And like anytime there's ice crystals, they're basically going to shred your tissue like a knife. So like yep. all those people who are in cryogenic tanks right now are, there's no way to bring them back. And like that's, the science I mean, that, never... that's basically frostbite. That's what happens. Yeah. Your tissue gets so damage from it freezing and that's why they have to you know people lose fingers and toes and actual right. full limbs and noses all those and what people have you. are paying like i think it's like forty eight thousand dollars to have your head frozen now or like i think it's yeah. 120 to 170 to have your body frozen plus a maintenance fee yes because you have to keep the tank 
tank up and like you know we saw you can't let the tank drop temperature or you're no. in trouble and that's um, where i have moral questions about the whole crap right. stuff so but. basically anyone who's already been frozen toast but eventually there might be like a cryostasis where like we actually do have the technology to like put someone with a terminal illness who's not dead yet into a cryostasis state and then bring them back or whatever but obviously that doesn't exist right now so anyway i just thought it was interesting yeah on the moral front the problem i have with the whole cryogenics thing is that i get it it's your money you can do whatever you want with it but like you're dead and there are people in the world who could definitely be getting some benefit from those funds instead of just paying for your stupid ass head to be frozen. Yeah. Well, and also it's kind of like, and you could be helping society instead of being an egotist and trying to be like, I want to live forever. So, well, and it also comes down to like, it's similar to a lot of like the snake oil pseudoscience things where it's not quite snake oil, but it is like, it's preying on people's desires to like, you know, live forever or beat mortality or whatever and, like, getting them to pay huge sums of money. Although there's no, like, scam involved because obviously the people who are doing this... No, they're, not being, be- they're not being tricked into it. No, and, well, I just... Yeah, I I'm mean, not they're, saying they're, that they're, they're being believing, scammed, They're believing something false. They're believing something, but the people who are doing it are not trying to scam people into believing this false. Like, they believe it, too, and a lot of them have their family yeah. members signed up for it. So it's not, like, a thing where people Although are like, there have there have been some scams about this, because the, there was one... I can't remember what it was, but there was one person who was running a cryogenics company and just had a bunch of people in their garage... Oh, I like heard about these, that. And all these crappy linky tanks and everything were like, they were like, yeah, these, these people are, yeah, this is like rotten meat in these tanks. What are you doing? And was like, yeah. oh yeah, I remember that. Oh my gosh. I didn't come across that when I was reading, but yeah, I yeah. do remember like that being in the news. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Probably don't do that. Cause they're, you know, it's probably not worth it. <laughs> yeah. And also you're relying on someone to take care of your body. Like the whole time. Like what if your money runs out? Yeah, they're they're gonna turn you off, dude. They're not gonna be like all super like, oh, for the benefit of this person who I've been taking money from for so many years, I can't just turn off their their freezer. Like, yeah, they're totally gonna turn it off and take your head out and throw it in the garbage and put someone else's head in there. Yeah, yeah. Also, what are you gonna do when you wake up and don't have any money because it was all spent on this stuff? Assuming they could ever do that, which they can't right now. When when that money could have been helping out people who are struggling in the world, anyway. anyhow so anyway just an interesting little tangent this episode rating wise i don't know (laughs) yeah well before we do ratings i did tip on this a little bit so like the personal stuff in this episode and like some of the moments so i did like i didn't like full-on cry but there were a couple times when i was like you know fighting it back a little bit like the emotional part like one was when like he was like with stars and then like when he was you know like who's you know who's who's doing the controls kind of thing and just like someone controlling your life and kind of know what's going on in the episode but when i was in elementary school i went to surprise surprise in elementary school and but attached to that elementary school was actually a separate school for you know the terminology is difficult but it was it was for kids who had cognitive issues whether it be like i mean there were i know i know for certain there were like some kids with down syndrome there but then like just a lot of like developmental and mental disabilities in that school and they basically kept everyone segregated from like the real school and the other school but like you could kind of interact with the other with with those kids and 
I actually did a lot and I actually kind of preferred those kids to the kids in my elementary school because, <laughs> you know, it's just like, and so I've always kids grown terrible, up. Yeah. yeah. So I've always grown up kind of having like, you know, whether you want to call it empathy or like a soft spot, or whatever, like, in, like, like, like these are people like you can interact with them and, you know, they're just, they just have some difficulties, but they're fine. Right. And then I actually worked in a kid's home for a while where we actually did have some, um, I don't know where you would place them at, but some one kid in particular who was had severe autistic and control issues and stuff like that. And I like really bonded to him and like the other staff would joke about how like I was his dad basically. And so like, I, like there's like that soft spot with, I mean, and that's probably like a lot of paternalism on my part, which can be a bad thing to like infantilize, you know, individuals like that. Yeah, absolutely. But, that can be a problem. Um, I mean, and that was me. As, and, and, well, that was me as an adult <laughs> with like a, with like a, with like a, a little kid. Right. Right. And, yeah. Way. So that would, that would actually be, you know, whatever. But like when I was a kid, it was just like, you know, interaction, like they were kids, I was kids. And like, as an adult, if you meet adults like that, it's like they're adults, you're adults. You just, you, that's how you interact. You, you treat them like people and it's always been a thing with me of doing that kind of stuff and it's like this episode which may be one reason why i originally watched this episode maybe that's why this episode stuck with me because of that of that bond because i'd had that bond you know as a kid and then obviously it's more recently that i've worked in the kids home and had interaction with with kids who have a lot of issues so but yeah so it's a it's a it's a thing for me i and that's one reason why i got kind of like don't like let him have his life at the end of the episode damn it i know like, let him be happy yeah let him go back to his thing let him get a job and hang out with tracy and be fine yep like that's what he deserves he doesn't deserve some jerk in a cryogenic tank sending him nope. nightmares and making him murder people that's right yeah and like that's why his brother's not a good person because like even if they did murder him and you want to get payback like don't be using your brother to murder people like do something else just use well, like, you know, like you powers just have, or something well, Roland had access to the building have him just do the work when no one's there and like under your file and then have them like discover your file and realize that you already solved it you know what i mean then yeah. you would get the credit and you don't have to kill people or just let it go because you're dead yes that too <laughs> and you're not gonna you're not gonna reap any benefits from like all this fantastic work and obviously they're probably gonna use that engine like just use it to make ships and you know planes and bomb people so don't even do the work just stop yeah be dead be dead be happy unless well you probably went to hell so anyway because you're mean (laughs) so (laughs) oh man arthur grable sucks (laughs) like the other guy charlie morris from the last episode he sucked too because like he's using a little kid to like kill people which we didn't really get into yeah but that's i mean his yeah i mean his his was maybe a little bit more noble because like he was murdered by these people so he he was getting back at people who murdered him but i mean like you know howard graves is really the the hero of the season I mean, yeah you know so yeah yeah howard graves would be like no screw you arthur gables get away from me leave roland alone yeah arthur graves is awesome I know we were kind of a jerk to him during his episode, but really considering all the ghosts we've seen in this season. Well, I, I don't like think, I don't bad. know that I was a jerk with Howard Graves, but um, <laughs> I, I did not like Lauren. So. <laughs> okay. Well, Howard Graves has been the best ghost thus far. Cause at least he's trying to help people. Yeah. Although he did murder people too. There's a lot of murder ghosts. Yeah. Well, I think as you're, if you're a ghost, that's, you don't have a lot of finesse. Yeah. It's like, 
go woo or murder. Your only recourse is to make other people dead also. Yeah. Well, you, you miss them and you won't have friends. It's, it's lonely being a ghost, ghost friends. maybe. Want some ghost friends. So. Get a cat. Don't kill the cat. Oh, you, oh, I was saying, how are you going to get a cat? You're, you're going to kill a cat. Oh, no, good, just, good job, Tori. Recommend that ghosts kill cats now. No, cool. just hang out at like a cat cafe. You don't have to hurt anybody. Mm. <laughs> you're making it worse. All okay. right. <laughs> anyway, ratings. So I don't know. Because this episode wasn't like, it wasn't offensively terrible. Like, <laughs> like Born Again was really bad. And like, this one didn't feel that way. Like it wasn't like, oh my god, I don't ever want to watch. No, it. And, and it wasn't. It wasn't like gender bender, where there's definitely like issues or shapes even. No, gender so. bender was just. It was issues. Plus, it made me cringe for other reasons. Plus, it had like consent problems. That whole episode was a hot mess. Yeah. This one, I feel like the plot at least did mostly make sense. Like it, you know, and it's pretty easy to follow. Like. Not that it has to be. You can have twists and stuff, but I feel like sometimes they just go off the rails. Whereas this one, like, I feel like it made logical sense from where we start. We realize Roland is killing people, and that doesn't really fit with this guy. Roland is not killing people. Well, that's what I mean. Is like Arthur is killing people. When the episode opens, we think Roland is killing people, right? Because that's what it looks like. And then we realize that doesn't really track with who this guy is, and then we realize it's not really him who's doing it. So it makes sense. And Dr. Keese was a jerk, so he kind of deserved it. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I don't know that Dr. Cernow did anything bad. Yeah. I mean, they all kind of just ignored Roland when he was in the room. So that's not cool. Like, no one, like, acknowledged him when he came in the room. Right. Like, hey, no one's Roland, like, hey, how are you buddy. doing today? Or, like, yeah, how you I guess doing? we shouldn't call him buddy. But, like, you know, hey, dude, what's up? Or no. whatever. I think I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Nice. A nice down the Nice down the middle. Because, like. I, I think it would have gotten a six if it weren't for like oh what is what is holding it back here? Let's see. There's like well, you did explain how he got into the lab and had the magic code to turn down the day. Yeah, see I fixed all that stuff for you, see. <laughs> Science. I mean, what else is this? So I gave E B E a five and I gave Deep Throat a five. Um, I'm gonna give it a five. Like I think it's okay. it's yeah, it's E B E, yeah, I'm gonna give it a five. Okay, let me see. What am I going to do here? I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to give it an 8. Okay. Which does seem a little high based on some of my previous ratings. But I'm also looking at my adjusted ratings. Because I've gone through and done a lot of my adjusted ratings. And so I have bumped up a few episodes. And so I'm going to go with an 8. Okay, yeah. cool. Like I said, it's, it's one of the ones that, I mean, I didn't give it as high. Like, I gave Eve a nine because Eve, like, Eve and Roland are, like, the two that I really remember. Although, like I said, I, I knew Roland was something I remembered, but I couldn't actually remember the whole plot. I knew it had something to do with, you know, someone and something happening, but I couldn't remember the exact thing going on. So some of that may just be, again, like we talked about my, my personal connection a little bit. Maybe not personal connection, but just how i related to the episode right and so i might be tying some of that into my rating as well 
Which you were totally allowed to do. I mean, I 100% did that for Beyond the Sea. I'm like, this is, <laughs> I am connecting to this on a level and I'm giving it points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you did. You, well, you, you, went to, you turned it up to nine on that yeah, one. Yeah, no, I, that one hit yeah. me. That one hit me hard. I, I, did, I did bump that one up. I, I gave that one a seven and I've since adjusted it to an eight because it actually is a pretty good episode. But yeah, I'm going to go with eight for Roland. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to have to go through and look at my ratings and kind of see what I want to adjust because I think some probably deserve a little more and some yeah, probably cause, deserve yeah, cause, Yeah, because you did, you did adjust Ice, I see, on the chart. Yeah, because yeah. Ice is getting bumped up because I definitely lowballed that. And then there's a couple where, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to yeah. go back through. I didn't move. Did I move any down? Um, no, I moved everything up as I watched. So I haven't moved anything down. Okay. Yeah, I might just even out some because I've got some that are like four, three, three point five, and I just have yeah. To I'm also kind of ditching all my point fives. I'm going with oh. I'm going with whole numbers. I'm going with just nice. solid and just making making the commitment. <laughs> I'm non-committal. Yeah. I'm just point oh, <laughs> five. Let's just put a point five in there. Yeah, but that was it. Was definitely like I was expecting a horror show kind of, and it wasn't. So that was good. So like, right. Well, I mean, like you said, you had seen the description of Roland in the book yeah and i just thought there's use. no way they're gonna treat this material well yeah. so ugh. but they actually treated it better than the description which yeah is cool. they did so, yeah and i'm sure there are lots of people who could you know who are part of the disability community who could you know point out all sorts of things that i don't even see because you know that's just i just didn't i missed it <laughs> um able privilege but yeah got a little bit of rain man we got a little bit of T2 and we got yeah got a little bit of everything in this one so we got a little bit of born again and uh <laughs> but uh use better and so. chris carter's favorite thing ever which is shattered human heads on the floor <laughs> well not just that you gotta you gotta step on their ear <laughs> when they're shattered because that oh. that that takes away the horror that makes it cool <laughs> yes. yes oh dear so next episode is the last episode of season one. Oh my gosh yeah Episode 24, the Erlenmeyer Flask. Yeah. And so the only thing I remember about this is that there's like an alien baby in like suspended in like a vial because I have like a promotional photo of that alien. Like, I think it's an alien fetus. I don't think it's a baby, but um, like an alien fetus, like suspended in like liquid, like you would like suspend an organ or something. So yeah. this episode coming up is going to be about aliens. Is what yes. It's, I think it's Myth Arc. And I think it is. Yeah. I believe the cigarette smoking man is in it. But again, I've said that like 10 times and then he's never showed up. So I do not know for sure. I also think, and I don't know how those contracts work, if there was already an agreement or not, but they put all their cards on the table. Because if I remember correctly, it is also like a cliffhanger episode where it's actually part one of two. And the second part is going to be in second season. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it had been renewed already at this point. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what the time frames are. So that'll be that'll be interesting. I'm excited to watch it because again, do not remember much about it. So I'm curious to see what it's actually about. Yeah. Considering the trouble they had going from a pilot in March to starting a show in September, I would hope that they would have already got a renewal because like this episode is going to be May 13th for the Erlenmeyer flask and if they didn't know by then oh my god is second season going to be a nightmare of them trying to scramble to write episodes so. <laughs> no I think they knew and because it was starting to pick up steam and the ratings were better and okay. yeah I think it was renewed and then because I know there was some 
there was it wasn't it wasn't a sure thing from the get go because I know originally I don't know what part of the year, but like for that season, I mean the season goes all the way till the till the twenty fourth episode. But when they were looking at numbers for the season, X Files was like like ranking like ninety nine, ninety eight of like all the television shows on the air, which oh, is wow. not which is not good. So I think they kind of pulled it out at the end and got a renewal. Yeah, so. which this is before Fox did. It's like, we're going to cancel everything after three episodes if no one likes it and it's not making millions, which they started doing later yeah. <laughs> in the later 2000s. Well, if they had, if they had then we would, this would be a very short podcast because yes, we'd be done like yeah. three we'd or four done. episodes. So. We'd be done sometime around EBE. We'd be like, all right, we're done because they would have canceled it by then. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, yay, Erlenmeyer Flask. Yay, season one. And then we will have a season one ender. And maybe something special, too. We'll see. Yeah, well, we're working on some stuff, so we'll see what comes out. Yep. All right. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a bedroom closet. Episode production, editing, and mixing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians. You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like The X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch the season finale, episode 24 the Erlenmeyer flask and try to figure out if the the truth truth is still out there. there. Bye, oh, it looks <laughs> All right. Woo!